Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, February the 2nd, 2024. It is currently 1046 a.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, it's February the 2nd. We have already reached the second month of 2024. The first month, I cannot speak for you. It felt like it was here and then it was gone. And so many of the things I wanted to accomplish, so many of the things we were trying to do, well, it, it just, like, what happened? What happened? So, you know, do I try to catch up or do we just move forward? It, yeah, it just, it came and it went. But, but just because January is over, doesn't mean we should spend all of our time looking back. We should now look forward. We have a new month in front of us. And as we have this new month in front of us, maybe, just maybe, I cannot speak for you, but I can at least speak for me, maybe we need a little bit of wisdom to move forward into the second month of 2024. I know I'm going to need wisdom Well, to make it all the way through 2024, because I need wisdom every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year, every single second, right? I mean, I I need wisdom. So what if we, well, start February off by looking at seven words of wisdom. That is what we started doing yesterday, and that is what we're going to continue today. Let me explain how we got here. I went to my mailbox. I know that's exciting, right? That's very, I know, I know you are like, whoa, you went to your mailbox? Please, please. The the excitement is overwhelming. Okay. I went to the mailbox. Stop being so sarcastic. I, I went to the mailbox. I opened the mailbox and inside of it was the January the 19th, 2024 uh, edition of the Sword of the Lord newspaper right here. Remember, I told everyone in 2023 to get a subscription. I told you to get one, right? Okay. Um, And and mainly just because of the nostalgia, right? I mean, it's an actual newspaper. I mean, you know, I mean, you could show your kids and they're like, what is that? It's a newspaper. A what? We've never heard of such. And you can say, yes, see, it was on actual paper and you opened it and they'll be like, whoa, that is crazy. Man, I can't believe you lived back in those days. Okay, but all right. So, but the Sword of the Lord newspaper. I open uh, once. I mean, it's just inside the mailbox kind of folded over, right? So I just pulled it out. I mean, it's not in a wrapper or anything. It's just right there. And then I looked at the front part, Sword of the Lord newspaper, celebrating 90 years. 90 years they've been publishing this thing. Okay, then there's uh, the first two sermons. I kind of flip it over, and then there it was. Seven words of wisdom, Bible values for 2024. Seven words of wisdom, Bible values for 2024. And I'm like, I've got to know these seven words of wisdom because I probably need them, especially considering (laughs) I, I, I made a joke in our first, in the first part, 
in the first episode, I made a joke that, uh, well, the seven words of wisdom I have for me, myself right now, I, well, not necessarily seven, some of the words of wisdom I have for myself right now go something like this, don't get COVID ever again, okay, because I got COVID in January and that ruined most of the month, or it felt like it ruined most of the month. I know that's a little bit of hyperbole, but it felt like it just wiped out the entire month. And then, secondly, if you ever get ready to stand behind the pulpit and teach church history, make sure that that church history has no connection to France. None. Do not. Because if you do any teaching on church history that has any connection to France, you're going to have to, well, pronounce things, right? Names, French names, places in France. And, and well, if you're, well, an American, and much more than an American, I'm a Texan. Well, I'm not going to say those French names exactly correct. So I messed them all up. Go listen to our one-hour teaching on the life of Madame Jean Guyon. And uh, yes, it was, uh, it was a, I'm probably even saying her name incorrectly. Uh, it, w- it was, it was a, a disaster. The only good thing is there was someone in the church who, who at least have some working knowledge and how to speak French. They, 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 had, they had some working knowledge, so they were able to correct me. The biggest mistake I made is there was a, a name, Francois. Francois Lacombe. I think it was Francois Lacombe. See, I'm now, I'm, uh, I'm overly exaggerating it, trying to just make sure I'm getting it right. I don't have the name in front of me, but I, Lacombe, I got right. And I even made a joke about it during the sermon. I was like, look at me. I got it right. But Francois <laughs> I was like, francosis, Fran, 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 I don't even know how I said it because it didn't register in my brain. No, this is a French name. I was just like, it's a name, Frank, francosis, Fran, I mean, Fran, and then there was another one that was M-O-T-T-E, and I said Mate, and it was like, it's Mo, Mo, I can't remember how it's it's pronounced. And there was another one, uh, I think it's Jacques, Jacques. I, I I skipped it because at that point I was messing up the names so bad that I just started skipping names and just like, okay, only say the names I feel like I absolutely have to say. So that that's my words of wisdom. Don't get COVID. And when you teach church history, avoid the, just avoid France. A France should just, just be avoided, at least for me, at least for me. It's one thing, it's always so frustrating because when you're putting all of your lessons together, right? I mean, what are you focused on? I mean, you're fo- I'm focused on the history and the ramifications of the history and the and the and the concepts and and this. I, I, I'm not necessarily thinking, oh, I better spend an hour in my prep looking up these names and re- I, I, like I didn't even it didn't even register to me until I started talking. And then realized I don't know how to say any of these names. So yeah, um, because I was more interested in well, that is connected to this and that is connected to some that happened. So those were my words of wisdom. For myself, but obviously we need f- something far better than those two things, right? We need something far better. So we started looking at these seven words of wisdom. The first thing we did was we read the entire intro that was here on the Sword of the Lord newspaper on the seven words of wisdom. We we looked at them, but I, I, you know, the the intro was okay. There, there was it, it felt like it was. A, a mixture of a lot of ideas just kind of thrown together. And then without any transition, here's seven words of wisdom. So I'm going to take the Sword of the Lord paper. I'm going to drop it. Bye-bye. And I'm grabbing my iPad because I took it. And what I did 
is I just grabbed the seven words of wisdom. Remember, here are the seven words of wisdom. You should write them down. Here they are. Number one, listening. Listening. I'll talk about the ones we've already covered in a moment. Number two, control. Number three, work. Number four, hate. Number five, generosity. Number six, hope. Number seven, faithfulness. Now, according to this sermon and the Sword of the Lord newspaper, these seven words give us these very important biblical values that we need in our life in 2024. They would argue that we we need them all the time. They took the seven words and these seven concepts from Proverbs chapter 13. From Proverbs chapter 13. So you want to really spend some time in Proverbs chapter 13. We'll probably do a Bible pop quiz specifically on Proverbs chapter 13. We'll do a Bible pop quiz hopefully soon on just Proverbs chapter 13. But are you ready to do a quick review? Here we go. Number one, the first word of wisdom you need for 2024 is listening. They base this on Proverbs chapter 13 verse one, or at least the, the starting point. A wise son Heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. So we need to ask ourselves, how good of listeners are we? I mean, just in your everyday life, do people see you as that person truly listens? Or do you have a problem listening? Because instead of listening thoughtfully, you tend to listen emotionally. You hear, boom, you react. You don't listen and think. You don't listen and process. You listen and immediately react. Are you a, are you a thinking listener or an emotional listener? We didn't even get into that discussion. And when it comes to you being a listener, just in general, how are you uh, as a listener, spiritually speaking? Do you listen to instruction? Do you listen carefully to preaching? Do you listen carefully to the word of God? Do you listen to rebuke? Do you listen to correction? Are you a good listener? We need to be, look, we we need to develop the skill of listening if we're going to, well, be able to operate in the realm of wisdom. We'll use that phrase. If we're going to really be able to be wise, we got to look, the, your level of wisdom will greatly be determined by your ability to listen. Listening is key to wisdom. You can't be wise if you don't listen. And you got to listen to instruction, but you must also be willing to listen to rebuke. How well do you actually listen? How well? I mean, I, I think that's something you and yourself need to have a big discussion about. All right, second, control. This one comes from Proverbs 13, 3. He that keepeth, his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. This idea of keeping your mouth. And so when it comes to your life, 
how well do you exercise control? Now, the, look, from a theological perspective, there's lots of things we cannot control. We cannot control the fact that we have a sinful nature. We cannot control the fact that we are never going to obey God's law anywhere close to perfectly. We're going to always be in a perpetual state of sin. That's why our salvation is based off an imputed righteousness, right? Because we are declared to be that which we are not. We're still sinners, so there's a lot of things you can't control, but there are things you can control. Do you control your mouth? Do you stop your mouth from saying things that are not true? Do you stop your mouth from gossip and slander? Do you stop your mouth from corrupt communication? Or do you just let it go like, and you feel like you can't control? Do you control it? There are things in the Christian life where we need to exercise control and we need to be willing to admit when, when look, yes, we have a sinful nature and there's some things we can't, but I think sometimes it's easy to then just start get, throwing up your hands going, well, I can't control anything. We've got to try to take control of what we can control. We have to take control of what we can control. That's, just, that's a simple principle. Control what you can. Look, if we, if we do not listen and if we just have no self-control and we don't exercise control in any way, shape, or form, I don't think we're going to be living as wise. I think we're going to be living as fools. And so we looked at a bunch of things there. Now, that brings us to number three today. The third word of wisdom for 2024, according to an article or a sermon published in the Sword of the Lord newspaper for January the 19th. The next one they find is in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Fat. The third word of wisdom is work. We must be diligent in our work, in our effort, in our attempt to do something. Or you can be a sluggard, and you you can be a, in a sense a sluggard, slothful, lazy. You desire all kinds of things, but it never amounts to nothing because you don't put in the effort. Are you willing to put in the effort? Are you willing to work? Uh, here's some another scripture that they have here. That's Proverbs 13, uh, uh, Proverbs 13, 4. Then they have Proverbs. Hang on, I gotta look at this one. Because I don't I think this one they should not have put here. Let me look here. Proverbs, okay, no, no, this is perfect. Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Here we go. Proverbs chapter six, verse six. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathered, gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that tra uh, tra traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Now, that's Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. 
Now, the word of wisdom here is don't be lazy, work, put forth the effort. The, and, it, and it's self-motivated work. It's not because someone is imposing it upon you. It's because you're doing it yourself. The, the ant, I mean, look, they, they use this example of the ant. Look at having no guide over or overseer or ruler provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? Now, obviously, I think that what they want us to understand here is this word of wisdom. Primarily, I think, first of all, is about how are you working when it comes to your spiritual life? How much effort are you putting into your spiritual life? What are you really doing? Are you really taking your spiritual life? But look, I think we all say we desire. I think I, I should take this back. I think at least a lot of Christians say they desire spiritual growth. They desire spiritual knowledge. They desire this. They de But you've got to put forth the work. When it comes to work, are you self-motivated, self-disciplined, or do you find yourself slothful and a sluggard? Now, I think this is becoming... I think this is becoming a somewhat controversial subject in 2024. Now, I'm going to read some of these other scriptures in a minute, but let's, let's at least discuss this because I think it's very relevant to the culture in which we live. Some of the younger generations, some millennials, and it seems very much with Gen Z, that they, their approach or their mindset to work has radically shifted from maybe previous generations. Gen Z and millennials, according to certain articles, and by no means have I researched this extensively, but it seems that many of them are much more now prone to go, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. I'm going to balance my life. I'm not going to pour my life into work, 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 work. I'm not going to do that. I would rather have less so that I have more me time, more free time. I'm not going to do that. And no, I'm not going to come to work and, and everyone's leaving at four and I'm going to stay to 445 just to show my commitment. No, when my work day is over, I'm leaving. And, and so a lot of older generations are like, this generation is lazy. They're slothful. They, they're entitled. And I, okay. I think sometimes we have to listen because I think what they feel is you've dedicated every ounce of your life to work, 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 work at the expense of, well, everything you work. And then the company you work for lays you off anyway, or fires you or closes down. Like they're not really committed to you. So why don't you just do what you're paid to do and then balance it out with having a, a, a productive and happy life outside of work. And that, that, that gets into a lot. And so some people, some Christians will quote scripture at them going, you entitled, slothful, lazy people. I, I don't know if trying to have a balance is a violation of this. I think the Bible is simply saying, work, put forth effort, or you don't get results, okay? You've got to work to get some kind of results. Well, I, I, we could put this all about, you know, the world and the flesh, but I don't think that's really the emphasis here. I think the emphasis is more spiritual. Look, everything in this world, no matter how much effort you put into it, not even, not even, it, it doesn't even matter how much you supposedly succeed. 
Doesn't matter if you accomplish this and accomplish that. Maybe you can tell everyone about what you accomplished. Maybe you can, you know, you can get your name written down to, to list all of your accomplishments. But in the reality, it's all going to go, whew, it's going to burn up. It's going to just be gone. It's not going to ultimately matter. Everything in this life is going to end and not matter, no matter how great your legacy may be. There are people who've, who've achieved great things. They may even, their names may be even in the history book, but you can go up to the younger generation and just throw, and they're like, who's that? I don't even know who that is. And they don't even care to know. He said, well, they accomplished this or this or that. They don't even care. Even if, and I'm not even talking like historical figures. I'm talking entertainers and people that, in most cases, they don't care. Sometimes they'll, it'll become a fad and they'll like, oh, everyone will now run back to that old musical artist or whatever. But in many cases, they don't care because life, the world moves on. And then ultimately, the whole world's going to burn up. So when we talk about work, I think we have to focus on what, 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 what is our priority in work? Who are we really working for? What are we really, what should we really be focusing our work on? I think spiritual things is supposed to be the dominant thing, but in every area of life, if we're going to be wives, we have to put forth work. At least we should at least have this mindset. I'm only going to get what I put into it. So if you don't put in the work, you're not going to get a lot from it, right? Now, they, they add some other scriptures here. They add some more. Uh, I'm trying to make it a more spiritual thing. I think now that some of these other scriptures are going to put it much more uh, maybe in the realm of uh, everyday life, but they, they go to Ecclesiastes. Now, I'm not always a fan when the book of Job and the book of Ecclesiastes, when people just rip a verse out of context, I'm not always a fan of that, but Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10, if, if uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. So in other words, hey, whatever you can do now, do it now, because once you're dead, it's over, it's gone. But remember, also Ecclesiastes is very makes a very big deal that whatever we do under the sun, no matter how much effort we put into, it's it's vanity and vanities. It's meaningless. So you're you're how do you balance that out? Like whatever you work. But it, it's still the idea of of putting forth effort. Uh, they also put down Matthew 21 28. Matthew 21 28. And remember, I, I'm giving you these, I'm giving you all these scriptures, but I'm challenging you to do your own, you know, looking up verses about these things. Matthew 21, 28. Uh, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. Now, we could, we could take this and we could, I mean, it only gives that one verse. We could look at this entire account here. We can look at it, but the idea is go work in my vineyard. I, I think that they, they're using this. I mean, the, the, the article, the, the sermon and, and uh, the sort of the Lord, they don't give a lot. They, they, they do a little bit with some of these, but we're just going to look at the scriptures and you can see what you want to do with it. You can look at that entire section there in Matthew 21. But I think the point is, is that we are all called to be in a sense working in the kingdom of God. 
We all, we all have a responsibility in the kingdom of God. And I don't know sometimes if the average person sitting in the pew really sees that they have a responsibility to work in the kingdom of God. I think the average person sitting in the pew thinks that they just have kind of, you know, show up to church, hear a sermon and just go do what they want to do. But I, I don't, I think, you know, as Christians, we're all called to be a part of some kind of work, right? The reason you go to church is to be equipped for ministry, right? Then they, they go back to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. They go back to Proverbs 13, verse 11. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. The idea, they, they want to apply this, that we should work and not just try to obtain things without work. We should obtain things through our work. And then they, they quote a very famous one. I think sometimes this is taken way out of context, but 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. We read this, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now, a lot of people want to apply that to every situation. I think this is this had a more specific context. It sounds like that there were those maybe in the in the church at Thessalonica, uh, at least according to some studies, some would, would articulate that verse this way. Hey, there were these people thinking Jesus is about to come back. And so there's no point in doing anything. We're just going to sit around and let other people take care of us. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to be working. You need to be doing because, well, Christ will come back when he comes back. I think because they had lots of issues in that church about the second coming and, and, and how to handle it or if they'd missed it. And I think that there was, there, it was more of a theological issue that, hey, we're, we're waiting for Jesus to return. So we're just going to sit here and the rest of the church can take care of us. Hey, we're, we're going to do the spiritual thing. And like, no, the church shouldn't be taking care of you unless you're willing to contribute, unless you're willing to work, I think is kind of the idea. We apply that to like social issues. And I think this is much more of a church related issue. But the point is, one of the words of wisdom is work. Now, I don't know how you feel about work. I don't know if you like it. I don't know if you hate it. I don't know if you... I don't know. We everyone has strong opinions about work. Uh, some are like, you know, yeah, work, 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 work. Others, no, no, no. I, I, I think, I think we we all struggle. Um, I can't say. I definitely, my attitude towards work probably would have, have bothered many people. I won't say I have a strong work ethic. Now, when I'm at my, whatever job I've ever had, I always do my job to the best of my ability, but I'm always like, I'm going to show up when it's time to show up and I'm leaving. I'm on my way out the door seconds before it's time to go because I'm not sticking around any longer because my work is there to, well, provide money and shelter and clothing and food. It has a specific purpose. Yes, I should do it to glorify God, but I'm not there. I'm not finding any identity into it. I'm not finding any meaning in it. I'm not finding any purpose in it because I always felt like that that work was to support the other work that I wanted to do, which was, you know, theology and and Bible and, 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 and spiritual things. Now, I think when it comes to spiritual things, I've always worked very hard. 
Now, that doesn't mean, now, I think this is also something that we have to consider from a spiritual standpoint. No matter how much work, work we put into our spiritual lives, we have to realize that we're still sinners and we're still going to sin. I think sometimes we feel like if I put forth this much effort in my Christian life, then, you know, I'm going to be this much holier. Well, you're still going to have a sinful nature. You're still going to sin. So you have to maybe look at it from a different perspective. But when it comes to work, what are you doing to advance the kingdom of God? What are you doing to disciple anyone? Right? I mean, it's something we all have to ask ourselves. And I, you know, I, I can't, you know, I think we all have to look at that. All right, so there is the third word of wisdom for 2024. All right, I'm looking here at my, I'm looking here at my time. All right, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. All right, I apologize for that. On the uh, other other setup that we were utilizing, the time is just right there in front of me. Here, I have no idea. All right, so all right. So the number one, listening was the first word of wisdom for 2024. Number two, control was the second. Number three, work. And I, and again, for all three of those, you look up any other scriptures you think apply to listening, to control, and to work. Number four. Number four is Hate. Hate. That's an interesting, that's an interesting word of wisdom. All right, hate. You think maybe it would be love, but they go with the word hate. And they take, and again, one of the reasons I don't go with the word love, I think, is they're taking all of these from Proverbs chapter 13. So what does Proverbs chapter 13 have to say about hate? Well, let's see if we can find it. Proverbs chapter 13. Let's look at verse 5. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 5. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but the wickedness overthrow the sinner. A righteous man hateth lying. A righteous man hateth lying. (laughs) I find that somewhat humorous considering how much over the last few years the church has been absolutely infiltrated with conspiracy theories, half-truths, misrepresentations, lie, 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 lie about anything, lying about things related to the election, lie, completely miss or bogus information about COVID, just all kinds of lies, 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 lies. And and when and it's maddening because when you get into a conversation with some Christians about certain issues, you there's just no way to talk them out of their conspiratorial thinking. There's no way. You say this, like, that's part of the conspiracy. You say, that's, you give them any information. I don't trust that. The only information they trust is the only information that is right. Any other information that contradicts it is not right. They, they get into this conspiratorial thinking. There's no way out of it. And guess what? They, nobody seems to hate the lying. Now, they say they hate the lying, but in many cases, what they're hating is the truth. And the, what they're really lo- they're loving is the lie. They, and it's so weird that we've fallen into this almost an, a crazy, bizarro world where, where 
People think they love the truth when in reality they're loving lies and they're actually hating the truth. Christians should hate conspiracy, um, misinformation, disinformation. We should be the, the ones who scream the loudest against it because Christianity claims that there is truth and that truth is absolute. Christianity is opposed to relativism. Christianity is opposed to lying and misinformation. Yet, we, we, I don't know if we do, but this raises the question. You need to be a good listener. You need to have, you need to exercise control. You need to have a right framework about work and putting forth effort if you're going to be wise. These are three parts of wisdom. But number four, it sounds like that the wise person is going to hate certain things. What things should you hate? Well, let's see what scriptures that we have here. They gave us Proverbs 13, five through six. They don't give us a lot on this one. I think we need to do more work on this one, but okay. I wanted to stick with what they gave us and then let you do the rest. That's what I wanted to do because I like this to be, you know, you participate. I don't like a passive listening. Uh, Colossians chapter three, verse nine. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now they go with this one because the, the, we, the wise man, the righteous man, we should hate lying. And this is another example. Get rid of lying. Don't lie. We should hate lying. So the main, the main emphasis here so far is hate lying, hate lying, put away lying, speak the truth, hate lying. We should hate it. But many, and, and, I, and, and I have to kind of go here, many Christians, conservative Christians, would treat Fox News as if it was the bastion of truth. But then look what happened. They got sued for their lies, their misinformation about the election. They had to pay, what, $750 million because of their lies and their misinformation. But you, you try to talk, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you're like, no, it does matter. And then when, remember during discovery, when they were getting ready to be sued, they found all of those emails and things that showed behind the scenes. Many of the people on air didn't even believe what they were saying on air. But that, does that matter? No, Christians don't care. They 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 don't care. You can't hate lying simply when it's people who are on the other team who's lying. You have to hate lying whether it's on your team or on their team. So let, let's see if they add another one here. They have Jude, the book of Jude, and they have verse 23. Jude 23. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire that eat that. Or, I, I, okay, let me read this again. Jude 23, I'm, re I'm using a very, very small Bible right here. Okay, so I should have used my normal one. This thing is so small, it's crazy. But all right, here we go. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment sp spotted by the flesh. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. 
hating the garment spotted by the flesh. Hating the garment that is spotted by the flesh. Here's what I want you to do today. All right, here's what we're, we're using this as a today's focus. We're using this for everything. And we're going to use this for the Sermons 2.0 app challenge. Today, if you pick a random sermon, if you've not chosen a random sermon, I want you to choose a random sermon on Jude verse 23. And I want you to try to figure out what it means. What is this garment, as it says, a garment spotted by the flesh? What is the garment spotted by the flesh? And what does it mean to hate it? What is the garment spotted by the flesh? What does it mean? I'm going to just reach down really quick and grab a different Bible. I'm going to grab a different Bible. I'm going to grab a different Bible, and I'm going to look at verse 23. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. What is the garment defiled by the flesh? I mean, if I'm supposed to hate it, I need to identify what it is. So what is, what is the garment defiled by the flesh and what does it mean to hate it? That is your job to do today for the Sermons 2.0 app. Just grab a random sermon on the Sermons 2.0 app on Jude 23. Make sure it's random. Make sure it's random. All right. Make sure it is random. All right. Everybody got that? All right. That, that, that adds to this. But we need to hate, so we need to hate lying and we need to hate even the garment spotted or defiled by the flesh. We need to hate lying and we need to hate the garment. So literally there's some things we're supposed to, if we're going to be wise, there's things we're supposed to hate. Uh, oh wait, there's, now they didn't add this one. This one was my suggestion. I don't know why they didn't add this, but when I start thinking about hating, I have to go to Proverbs. I have to go to the book of Proverbs. And I have to go to chapter 6, verse 16. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. You ready? These six things doth the Lord hate. Now, if God hates them, we should hate them. Are you ready? Seven are an abomination. Here we go. Number one, a proud look. If we're going to be wise in 2024, if we're going to be wise in February, we need to hate pride. We need to loathe. We need to hate pride. Now, what I think is interesting is when this gives a list of the things God hates, it starts with something that is probably much more prominent in the church that nobody hates. Oh, we hate the fact that Alistair Begg gave advice to a grandmother about attending a wedding. Oh, we hate that. In fact, Christianity hates it so much that he's been dropped from American Family Radio. And according to a source today, he's been dropped from the Ref Reformation Net radio station, uh, uh, internet radio station. Uh, RefNet is what it's called. RefNet meaning Reformation Network. Um, that used to, It's a part of Ligonier Ministries, the ministry of R.C. Sproul. Well, they've dropped now broadcasting Alistair Begg. And Alistair Begg has uh, been removed from from going to be at um, the Shepherds Conference. Now, supposedly that was a mutual agreement, but the point is all of this fallout because he gave pastoral advice to a grandmother about attending a wedding and everybody's like, no, 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 that is wrong. We hate that. Well, what about hating pride? When was the last time someone was removed from Christian radio for pride? When was the last time someone was church disciplined for pride? No, no, no. We church disciplined for it. Pride is the first thing. Do you hate pride? 
a lying tongue. Well, there's there's the lying tongue. There's the lying tongue. Do we hate lying? Again, American, this is insane. American Family Radio removed Alistair Begg. American Family Radio is a network that promoted lie after lie after lie about the election. They had they they promoted Sidney Powell. They uh, what Jenna Ellis, I think, is her name. All of these these lawyers and attorneys who who came back and apologized and said that they got it all wrong. Okay, because they were going to be brought up on criminal charge. They American Family Radio promoted every lie you could. They misinformation about January six. Lie, 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 lie. But they're going to get rid of Alistair Begg. <laughs> I, sometimes I think what we hate has literally nothing to do with what God hates. Um, uh, hands that shed innocent blood. Okay, I think we can all agree that that's a horrible thing. We 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 want to hate anything uh, that, that which you know hurts innocent people. And innocent from a human perspective, obviously from a theological perspective, we're all guilty. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Now, if you want to hate a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, you know where you should start? Now, I always hate when preachers do this. We should hate hearts that that, uh, deviseth wicked imaginations. We should hate Netflix. We should hate Hollywood. We should hate rock and roll. We should hate rap. Stop it. If you want to hate a, uh, if you want to, if you if you want to hate a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, go look in the mirror. Because you have a sinful heart. Feet that be swift and running mischief. How quickly do you find yourself running into and, and causing trouble? How about this one? A false witness that speaketh lies. Hmm. I've seen plenty of Christians love to gossip and to slander and to speak half-truths. Oh, Christians do that so many times. But nobody gets in trouble. Nobody hates that. Oh, look at this one. Look at this one. And that soweth discord among brethren. Do you have, have ever someone is out there speaking and whispering and and saying things and and may, maybe take a little bit of truth and then speak it in a certain way where it causes division and causes trouble? That kind of nonsense happens in churches all the time. How come we don't hate this kind of stuff? We only hate we only typically we hate all so many other things. None of them are listed here. None of them are listed here. Do we really hate what God hates? Now, if we're going to be wise, we have to learn to hate what God hates. Now, there is the words of wisdom, number one, number two, number three, number four. We have five, six, and seven to go, and we will save them until next time. So, let me ask you, as we summarize and we end this, 2024. It's February the 2nd. Before we know it, February is going to be over. All right. It goes quick. Goes quick, right? Goes quick. So as you move forward, how good of a listener are you? How good of a listener are you to other people, to instruction, to rebuke, to God's word, to preaching? Control. 
Are you constantly looking for what you can control and trying to exercise that control, especially when it comes to what your mouth is saying? Three, work. Do you have a strong desire to work and do that which needs to be done? And how you balance that out when it comes to the worldly stuff, we could have a discussion, but we definitely need to be committed to working in, in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom of God. And then hate. Do you hate the right things? Do you truly hate what you're supposed to hate? Do you hate what God hates? There you have it. There is four of the seven words of wisdom. Now, my job is just to kind of present them to you. I just kind of set, I just kind of set them before you. And then your job is to take each individual one, find other cross-references, meditate on it, think about it, kind of formulate what that would mean in your life moving forward. And then, of course, as you're adding and thinking and formulating, I, I, I want you to email me newsif at yahoo.com and let me know what you have found. But then remember, you do have an assignment today. Today, for your Sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge, you open up the Sermons 2.0 app, do a search for Jude 23, and I want you to identify what is the garment spotted by flesh and what does it mean to hate it? And then I want you to tell me which sermon you heard and what the answer was. All right. Now, you may disagree with the answer, but at least we need to hear the different perspectives. Okay, I'll stop right there. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a wonderful Friday. The weekend is here. Hopefully, it'll be a productive weekend. And we'll broadcast We'll be broadcasting off and on throughout probably today. I don't know how much today. We'll do some today. And then tomorrow, I've got to get uh, things prepared for church on Sunday. Got to, I, I've looked at the lectionary readings for Sunday, and I'm kind of like, uh, what am I going to do with this? All right. So I have, I have some things to work on there. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.